Hey, you've checked out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast, and this is round two. Hey, thanks for checking another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Wherever you're listening, whatever you're doing, you want to pause and really dive into this episode. I want to give you some clarity today. In fact, I'm not going to give you clarity. My friend, Zach Messler, he is the man. He's back for a round two episode. One of my favorite guests to return to the podcast. And here's the deal. Here's the bottom line. What you sell is amazing. But does your audience think so? Do your customers think so? Zach's going to be talking about that today. Zach, it's good to have you back. Blake, man, you're making me blush. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. The dulcet tones of Blake. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, Zach, man, I'm just so stoked to have you back. Like I said, you were one of my favorites uh, the first time around. And so you and I have been kind of chatting back and forth, trying to make this happen. And I think I messaged you. was like, dude, we just just got to put it on the calendar or it's never going to happen. So that's right. Well, here we are. Yeah. Well, I, I got to tell you, I, you're one of those people on social media that is so easy to follow because it, it feels like everything that you post, it, it, I feel like this little mini explosion in my mind. Like you post it and I read it and I'm like, yeah. And then I think on it and I'm like, okay, there's some real depth to this. Like there's some real, because I think what's, what's really nice about your content and really what you do for a living is you're, you're not talking about anything that is it's not hard to understand per se in the sense of business owners who are listening right now, everyone is like, yeah, of course I know I want my, I want my customers to know what I sell. Of course I want them to be clear on these kind of things. And yet in actuality, there's so much minutia to it. It's so complicated. I, I'm just, I'm excited to dig in with this on this with you today. Yeah. Well, it's, it's foundational. Everything I do, it's foundations and, they're big blocks and they can be easily understood, but there, there is a lot of depth to all this stuff. Well, why is it so, I mean, let's, let's just start maybe with square one on what, what it is you specifically do for a living. Maybe people who haven't, who didn't catch the first episode, obviously our round two conversation, it's, it's sort of that returning, you know, what's happening now this many months or years later. Um, talk to me a little bit about what you're doing for a living today. Sure. So I'm a product marketing message and positioning advisor for founders and founder-led teams. And what that means is I help them better connect with a buying audience. When you better connect with that buying audience, you sell more stuff. When you sell more stuff, you can actually make a bigger impact on the lives of more people. That's Mm -hmm. what I do. And as you start to work with people, or you've been working with people, but as you start to meet new clients and customers, do you ever feel like you have to sort of, because I assume you have people all over the spectrum. I'm sure there's some people who come to you who they're just like, okay, I, I know that I'm lost. Like I know I'm totally and completely lost, but I would also assume you have people, and again, it may even be some of our listeners today who the, perspe- the perspective in their mind in terms of where they are on sort of that clarity metric and where they actually are in their customer's mind is there's a massive gap there. What, what does that look like for you? I mean, how, did, how oh, does that conversation sure. happen? 
Yeah, for sure. Well, the first thing we do, it's funny you say this, the first thing we do with, I do with every client is we work through a message clarity session. We work through three questions that get to the essence of the offer so that we can start to connect it to the, the wants, the needs, the desires of the target audience. To do that, we answer three questions. And there's, you, you talked about foundational. This is foundational. They are super simple questions. I don't remember if we talked about this on the last show or not. It has been so long. <laughs> but uh, it, they are, the first one is, what is it? So literally, what is it? What's this, this thing that I'm selling? And most people, when you ask them, okay, what is it? They talk about what it does. They talk about what it's made out of. They talk about how it works. It is literally, what is it? Then we ask the second question is, what does it do? Same deal. It is literally, what does it do? It's it's not how it works. It's not what it looks like. It's not even it's not even necessarily the outcome that it generates, although that can be part of it, but what does it do? And then the third question is, why does it matter? Why does this matter to my target audience? And that can change if you have multiple audiences, but why does it matter to them? And that's the toughest of the three, but it's also where the magic happens and you start to incorporate the first two. And now all of a sudden this thing makes sense. I kind of, you know, I was explaining it to someone going through this exercise with a client recently and he was frustrated after the first two questions. He's like, dude, like we're, you're always talking about audience first, but this isn't about audience. This is about me. And I don't really see where this is going. It's way too simple. Hmm. And, uh, and we got to the, why does it matter? And we made it all fit and hooked it all back together. And he, uh, he said, man, you reminded me, I'm going to drop a, a, an eighties reference on you, but he's, he's like, you reminded me of Mr. Miyagi, man. Holy crap. Wax on, wax off, paint the fence. Like it was really awesome. Yeah. And I've, I've, of course, you know, seen the karate kid and I don't know if you've catched out Cobra Kai on Netflix, but you know, a great sequel to the show. Well, you know, listening to you talk about the story, I guess what I'm a bit um, surprised about is, and I, I mentioned this a little bit in my intro, these kind of questions, they're not like it's it's almost like you wouldn't take a PhD, you wouldn't be like studying for a PhD and like find this like on page 228 of like some massive textbook. You're you're leading with these really simple questions. And I don't mean that in a uh it, there's not depth there kind of way. I just mean there it's a simple question, and yet people when they're faced with it, it it's almost like I don't know if we if we make it too complicated. It's it's kind of like, for example, we even talked about a second ago, what's your product and what does it do? And speaking specifically about startup founders, that long like product description list that people get into, mm-hmm. you know, and it could like fit an entire page and it's like, oh, and it has this and here's this other part of it. And it does this. And it's, you know, and it's like, here's the other, um, you put out a post, I can't remember when it was maybe months ago, but it was like on features and product features. And like, this is what we get into as opposed to like down at the, at the, at the, almost cellular level, so to speak, this is literally what it is. It feels like we have a really tough time having that kind of clarity. People definitely have a tough time having this clarity. It's funny because I've been doing this for about this, this exercise 
for probably about 15, probably more now, 15, 16 years. And I started out doing it because I spent, you know, I spent 20 years in product marketing for B2B tech. I am not a technical guy, not even a little. And in product marketing, your job really is to connect the value of your offering to the desires of your audience through different channels, whether that's a sales channel, a partner channel, the media channel, analysts, whatever. So to me, it's always been about messaging and positioning that informs all the activities and everything else. But because I'm not technical, I needed to, and I needed to explain, be able to talk about these deeply complex, deeply complex software and technical capabilities in a way that was going to attract a, an audience, help a sales team convert and sell to that audience. I needed to get to the essence of these things. And so I started doing this myself. This was how I learned a product. I would, and it was just, it was starting off not at the, at the high level for sure, but then getting into those features, going and tracking down the developers, the engineers, the product managers at the company and asking them these questions. Okay, what is this thing? And you'd have to ask that question a few times because people can't answer what is it. They, they do get a lot more complex than they really need to be. And so it's, it's just honing in, what is it? Okay, mm. I get that. It does this. What is it? You know, it's, it reminds me of the first time I ever presented this outside of just using it for me was at a conference. It was several years ago. I was at a conference with entrepreneurs, founders, really smart, smart people. <clears throat> and I was so nervous to go up and, and present this thing because it is so stinking simple. And, you know, you don't, you get that imposter syndrome going, you don't want to look dumb. And, you know, I've bit the bullet and I presented it and it was a workshoppy type thing. And I asked for a volunteer. I said, okay, we're going to answer this first question. What is it? Who wants to volunteer and talk about their offering? And this woman raised her hand and like probably the most brilliant person in the room. You know, she studied neuro neuroscience. And so I, I said, okay, so what is it? And she said, and she was all happy and proud. It's demystifying neuroscience. And I said, no, <laughs> it's, it's not demystifying, demystifying neuroscience. That's what it does. But what is it? And she couldn't get it. She couldn't grasp it until I said, is it a product? Is it a service? Is it something else? What is it? Just let's get to the root of this thing and just the core. What is it? And, oh, well, it's a service. And then we're starting to answer questions and get to it. And finally, she was able to answer the question. Then we get to what does it do? And she said, it demystifies neuroscience so that people can use it to improve the culture in their organizations. Oh, I get it. That mm. makes sense. Yeah. And then why does it matter? Well, why does it matter is, especially these days, culture is, is such an important factor for a company. It drives everything from productivity to recruiting to retention, all of these different things. Well, if you had a secret weapon where you could understand how 
your your audience, your your employees, your potential employees' brains worked, and how you could then say the right thing, do the right thing to better engage that entire community. Can't you see how you could improve your culture? Well, yeah, that I get that. I get why it matters. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, well, go ahead. They're, they're simple questions, but they're not so easy to answer. Simplicity does not mean easy. And I guess why, I mean, what's the reason for the gap or for the disconnect? Like, are, are people just not like, is, is the struggle that people aren't getting out enough with their customers, or their prospective customers? Like, like how does someone go? And I've seen this happen, like not just months, but even sometimes years where people are, they're turning the product over in their head and they're maybe even like pouring money into it. And they never get to that moment of clarity. You know, it always is like, okay, what is it? And they, they list the, the features and the, the extended product description and all these things. It, what, what is creating that gap for people? Well, part of it is they're too close to their own baby or their own thing. They're, they're too close. Another part of it is I don't know how this, I don't know that this is necessarily the case with all founders. I know with a lot of marketers, this is true. And that's that, that dirty little secret in marketing. Everybody talks about audience research and nobody wants to do it. You know, I was, it was considered a, a, a straight, I remember the last company where, where I worked as an employee, uh, you know, I joined the the marketing team. I was, product marketing guy. And I was the first person to really engage with sales and ask to go on sales calls. Nobody had done that before. That's crazy. Mm. As, a, as a marketer or as a founder, as an entrepreneur, where you're selling something to an audience without, without really looking at the world through those those lenses from that perspective, mm-hmm. how can you get a point across? And I think that people either say they do that research or say they that they're taking on that perspective, but either they're really not and they're fooling themselves or they just don't know how to do it. Is it, is it a fear of rejection? I mean, what, I mean, cause again, even this isn't that complicated, you know, it's, it's like, I think about, for example, I had someone who reached out to me and they were asking me about growing their own business and like, well, what did you do? And I was like, well, I mean, I went, I went out and met a lot of people and I asked them, what do you think about this? Because I, I wanted yeah. to know. <laughs> so I said that to him and he goes, okay, well, how do I do it without doing that though? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there is an answer. I mean, there's probably a really smart marketer, someone who will sell you like an email script, you know, like here's the one email that you can send that, you know, but I, but he just, he was very much averse to, I don't really want to get out and talk to people. I kind of just want to sell, you know? Well, that's, that's crazy. You can't be, you can't sustain success that way. You just can't, you have to understand your audience. And we, I'm sure we talked about this last time, but it's, it's not just understand your audience. It's become your audience. It's really walk in those shoes and, and look at the world from that perspective you know, it reminds me of a uh, realtor and he was, excuse me, he wasn't a realtor. He was a home builder. And I loved, it, it was him and his, uh, 
uh, I can't think of the word, partner in his business. And they were building homes and he had like this moment of clarity where they were, they were building the home, they were building the bathroom. And then all of a sudden they had, they've been working on like the shower or whatever. And his wife was like, maybe bringing a sandwich over or something. I can't remember. And um, so she was bringing lunch in and all of a sudden she was like, oh, well, you don't want to have the shower that way because, you know, how are you going to shave your legs? Like, what are you going to, I mean, you're going to have to, and he's like, wait, wait, sorry, wait, what? And she starts just talking about, well, you know, you would definitely want to do it this way because that way. And it was like this moment of like, oh my gosh, I'm building this bathroom and it's not even, I'm not even the person who would use it. It would, I need to think about how would, how would, how would, how would a woman use it? How would she, why would it be more important to her in this way? And it was like this moment of like, oh my gosh, like I am so detached from who I would want to sell this to. Well, and that's, that's the point that I'm making also when I say, why does it matter changes depending on your audience. It, it can change dramatically. I, I used to see this again with a sales team. If I was selling messaging to a sales team and why to use it in a certain buying circumstance, I'd focus in on more commissions because what did they care about? They care. They cared about making the sale. They cared. I'd, I'd focus in on more commissions, or I'd focus in on helping their client be more successful using our product, because that's that mattered to that audience. I'd never go to an external audience and and use that as a as a reasoning for why our product or why this particular feature ma- mattered. But totally different audience totally different why it matters. Well, and, and what's what's the disconnect where people, they think they understand the audience and they really don't. For, for example, one of the most cliche examples, uh, Blockbuster, you have executives who are saying, well, the, the, Netflix, next, the Netflix-esque model will not work because our customers value coming into the store too much. They love to see their neighbors. They love... The idea of, of browsing the physical part of it. And even another great example, another cliche example, Kodak. You know, people, people, they love the feeling of holding that photo in their hand. And even, you know, like the flipping in the air to like get it to develop. Like our customers love that too, but they're never going to want to look at a screen. And yet, what actually ended up being true was vastly different from how they built their strategy. So, so how does that happen where people have this perception of their customers that really is not accurate? So two words. One is ego. <laughs> I, it, it's ego uh, in large part. It's it's you believe so, and belief, ego and belief. You believe something to be true, and it's true uh, for you at least, even if it's not true. And the other one is bias. I don't know what type of bias. I don't know if that's considered implicit or or I guess it is, but it's it's bias, and that's tied back to ego. I can't tell you how many times in my career I don't face this now, and this that's this is another tangent. But I can't tell you how many times in my career I would have the same argument with an executive, whether a marketing executive, executive, a sales executive, CEO, whatever, where it would be I'd come up with something, and I'd hit. Well, I wouldn't buy that. And I said, I always say the same thing. Well, it's a good thing you're not in the market for our software. (laughs) Because, you know, we think that we know what our customers want. We don't know what our customers want. 
and especially today where the way people buy, well, one, it's it's been changing. We talked about this for sure last time, but the way people buy has been changing since the iPhone came out. And it's just control has completely shifted where the buyer is in control of the interaction. And if you're not at the very least making the buyer feel like they are in control, then you're going to fail over time. It, that's so important. And so that screams for taking on the buyer perspective, the audience perspective. Mm. And that's what, when I think of, of Blockbuster and Kodak, they didn't take on the audience perspective or they did, except they didn't. They had their own glasses on. They didn't put on the glasses of somebody else. And it feels like people don't necessarily have like a, you mentioned it earlier about being too close, not having that realistic, honest perspective of your products and who actually would buy it. And more importantly, what do they think about it? I mean, I've talked to business owners who, you know, they're bleeding in terms of their revenue. I think of one owner who was so frustrated by losing customers. He said, well, if they don't like our products, they can go somewhere else. And I was like, they they, they are going somewhere else. Yeah. That's... <laughs> That's the point is <laughs> they're going. So, and so well, that ego, yeah, ego, I'm sorry. I'm totally cutting you off. But that, that, that ego is, is really a dangerous thing. And it's, it's ego. And I think part of it too, this goes back to something you were saying earlier. Part of it is, is I believe fear of what we're going to hear mm. for sure. But you can't worry about that. I, I if it is indeed, uh, I come from a place, and I think most of my clients do too, of service over sales. The sales are a marker of service. You know, the dollars are a marker of success, but it's service over sales. If you are truly of that mindset and take that on, where I'm looking to serve my customers and help them make a bigger impact, then I care what they think. I care what they have to say, the good, the bad, the ugly. I want to know because if something's not right or they don't understand something that I'm saying, or then that's not on them to fix it. That's on me to fix it. I'm serving them. It almost feels like it, because I, I, obviously there's a band of people out there who are explicitly in it for themselves. I think the majority of people are not that person. They, they really do care about their customers. But that moment of especially getting harsh feedback, it seems like it's easier to prioritize your own comfort, your own security. I mean, I even remember a business I was talking to who they were sending out surveys to prior customers and there was a small band that they weren't sending it to. And it was like, well, why aren't you sending it to those customers? Well, those customers didn't shop with us again. We know they didn't have a great experience. And so we we just didn't send it to them. Oh and I was like, because they were worried about what they would say. It, almost like it might be hurtful. It might be a morale killer for our employees. And so leaders were actually telling their people, don't survey those people because it's not going to do us any good. I lost you for a second. You oh, froze. <laughs> I could. You were frozen on my screen, but I thought you were just frozen in shock. It turns out it was just the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Well, it's look. It's it's counterintuitive for sure. It's counterintuitive, but it's important to embrace that. Embrace that potential rejection and embrace that potential bad news. 
what's the worst thing that happens if you get bad news? You feel a little, oh, that sucks. Okay. But now I know what people really think. You're not going to make a difference if you if you don't embrace what your audience truly thinks. Mm-hmm. And it seems like even, not even just your customers, it seems like sometimes, especially in the startup world, we, again, not just from users, but people who have an opportunity to share honest feedback with us. There's a really great book called Passing the Mom Test. And it's basically stop asking your mom what she thinks about your latest product because everyone knows what you know, our mom's going to say it's, oh, it's amazing. They're going to love it. I love you. You're, you're anything you do turns to gold. You're awesome. And so even this uh, it, reason I think about that story is I was hearing about this startup founder who had basically been in business for something like 10 years, never had a profitable year, not even close to a profitable year. And after he had borrowed money, he had gotten money from friends, family, whatever. And after 10 years, he totally and completely, uh, basically went bankrupt, had to close the business down. And there were all these people who were like, it's so admirable. You fought the good fight. Uh, and there is a lot to be admirable there, admirable for there, um, I'm sure, to admire, excuse me. But I had someone else who spoke up who said, you know what I feel bad for is that over 10 years, no one gave him honest enough feedback to help him pivot. It was just you know encouragement. It was just, you can do it, keep at it. And now he's effectively wasted 10 years of his life. And maybe that's a bit of a cynical perspective, but it feels like there's a bit of truth there on seeking out people who maybe don't have the emotional stake in it that you do. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I, I mean, I tossed it back on those. It's, it's as much, it's more, I would say, that founder's uh, challenge, problem, fault. <laughs> that he or she didn't seek out more real feedback. Mm-hmm. I want to know, like I just said before, I, I, I'm sure you feel the same way. I want to know the good for sure. I love the good. Who doesn't? I'm a kudos hound myself. <laughs> but I want to know the bad and the ugly if it exists. I want to mm-hmm. understand that because if I look, I may decide that that's just, hey, I don't care about this. I got that feedback. I think it's, you know, it, it's fine. I, I don't really care. And I choose not to address it. Okay. At least I know what's there. If I don't get the feedback and I don't know what's there and I'm blissfully ignorant, then that's a problem or it could be a problem. And not even just um, getting honest feedback. I'm curious since you're working in the, in the startup world, how often are you talking to people who are also, uh, and maybe this sounds too harsh, detached from reality on like the actual steps to grow their business? And, and, and here's what I mean by this. You have, I've seen this firsthand in the startup world, and it's, it's become a meme at this point that you see put on LinkedIn or wherever, where you ask that original question, you know, what is the product or, you know, what does it do? The whole shebang. And the, the intro to that answer is, we're like the Uber of <laughs> blank, you know, or we're like Airbnb, but we do this. And, and I, I don't even mean like pulling too much on those companies, but here's an example I'll tell you. I had someone who, who opened with that description and went on to explain, you know, now how do I find, or the question was, now how do I find my first multi-million dollar investor? And I said, well, well, 
how many of your product have you sold? Well, I haven't sold any yet. Okay, well, what, like, what's your plan? He's like, well, I just I need to find this investor because just like these companies went off and found their invest, and I had to explain. Okay, wh- what is a unicorn by definition? It's a mythical, non-existent creature, and yet startup founders, it feels like, are so hung up on this fake journey rather than the real journey of discovering what my product is. How do I talk about it? How do I sell it? I imagine this is something that you're seeing all the time. Usually what I see, so the, the founders that I've been dealing, that I work with, and especially lately in the, it's really in the tech world lately a lot, um, they're at a few that doesn't really have funding. They're working towards it. The first thing they did was, was, uh, hold on. My internet is unstable. I'm going to turn off my camera. So that helps our show. Sure. So the, the first thing that they did was they educated themselves. Okay. How does this funding thing work? What are the steps? What do we got to do? And they were pretty methodical about that. Now they're in crowdfunding stage right now. Um, you know, so they're not usually people think of when you think of funding, if you don't know the the whole kind of investor deal, you think of, oh, that's you, you have the different stages. You hear about the stages all the time, stage A, stage B. Mm-hmm. Right. So so, or maybe you maybe you've heard of seeding, that sort of thing. So, crowdfunding is the first step. Crowdfunding is kind of angel investor, and you know I'm kind of ignorant myself to it, or naive, I should say, a little bit to to how it all works. But these guys aren't, and they they went about going about this, understanding. Okay, here's how investments work, but they already had a product. They already invested. The three guys, they already invested their own money right. and and they had a product and it was out in market and they have been testing it and getting it to work and getting getting results from it. You're not going to get, you know, the way people think of when they're going after investment is, I'm going to get millions of dollars and then I'm going to be able to do everything. You don't get millions of dollars until you can show that you're worthy of millions of dollars. <laughs> just doesn't work that way. Yeah. I mean, and it's, it's almost like this. Um, sometimes it feels like we're spending so much time on the pitch deck, on funding strategy, on what have you. And it's almost like um, the whole conversation on product clarity and how do you get more users or customers or an audience it almost feels like sometimes we treat that stuff as so basic that, well, why would I spend any time on it? Um, it's And I guess this goes a little bit back to ego. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever read um, E-Myth Revisited, really great, just basic business book. But I had someone who their business was failing. Uh, he was looking for a book to read. And I said, you should read E-Myth. And he said, oh, I read it. I hated it. And I said, okay, well, why did, you know, this is like one of the most like, um, well-regarded books in in business. So why didn't you, why did you hate it? And he goes, well, I felt like it didn't apply to me. And I said, okay, it's literally about a failing business, which you have. <laughs> so what, 
what part doesn't click for you? And, and, but it feels like that's what we do. It's like, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The clarity thing. I got it. Yeah, yeah I get it. Now, how it's do I foundations. get foundations? Well, that's why, because it's foundations, it's foundations and people, it's not exciting. It's not, <laughs> that's it's true. not exciting. It's not it's sexy, foundations. Right. It's the basics and people, people either, they think they know the basics or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that later. It, you got that backwards. It's the foundation. This is kind of a, a cliched take on it too. But if you're building a house, you got to build the foundation first. Because if you don't, you get a big wind, <laughs> a big storm, and bye bye, no more mm-hmm. house. It has to be rooted in something. Do you feel like there's too much noise though on social? Like, I, it feels like. Like, cause again, even like painting that picture, it's, it, I can see that playing out where it's like, maybe I'm a year in my business and I don't have any customers and I'm like trying to figure out why, why is nobody buying from me? And from an outsider's perspective, it's like, oh yeah, I can, I can easily see it. I can connect the dots. But for me, when I'm in it, it feels like there's so much noise on social media for, uh, you just need to try this. You just need to do this. You need to see, you know, have you tried, um, uh, mini chat? in terms of like Facebook auto automated messaging. Have you tried this email script? Have you tried? And it feels like everyone, it's like when there's a problem in my business, I'm inundated with 50 different solutions. And it almost feels like it's like shiny object syndrome to the max. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tactics. It, yeah. I can't get yeah, to the tactics, truth. but that's, but that's see, but that's the, the shine. It's a shiny object. It's cool. Check it out. Whoa. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. That stuff is cool. But if you don't have the foundations underneath of those shiny objects, those cool tactics, the cool ways of doing things, well, then it's not going to work. Those things, it's like tech, right? So tech is always, technology is always an enabler of something. It, it makes something better, faster, stronger. It also makes something that's already bad, way, way worse, much, much <laughs> quicker. And, and it's the same thing with all those tactics. When it comes to a message, when it comes to your position and your messaging, if you don't have those foundations and all of a sudden you're amplifying everything using these different shiny objects, these cool tools, well, yeah, you are going to accelerate failure because if you're confusing you're going to be more confusing to more people whereas if you're clear more people will understand what you're saying you'll attract more people you'll sell more stuff that's why i always start with clarity yeah i think of the uh phrasing of um putting lipstick on a pig i mean you can you can lather that baby up but if it's if it's Trash from the get-go, it's not going to be any better off. I, I've always said some of the greatest things to never happen, excuse me, some of the greatest things to ever happen won't. And they won't because of poor communications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the diamond in the rough because you don't know how to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. Well, Zach, what do you, what do you just separate from, uh, I think, I think my listeners right now are probably having like, I would hope maybe even an existential crisis on their business on, you know, do I really understand it? Do my customers more importantly understand it separate from that conversation, man, what's going on with you? What are you working on? What's happening? Uh, next sure. to you? We're, yeah, we're sure. getting towards the end of the year. I mean, we, we got to chat a little bit about what's going on with you. 
Yeah, sure. Well, I, um, you know, I have, uh, I have my sounding board. Uh, so sounding boards, my advisory service that has been growing like crazy this year. It's been fantastic. Uh, and then lately I've been working on, I'm going to be launching in the new year, a uh, new intensive that's focused on clarity. We're going to answer these three questions together. And so in prep for that, I built up some stuff, you know, you know how it goes. You want to build a list and build, right? So I built up some, some material to help people get more clear in their message. And that is, uh, there are a couple places where people can go to, to use this stuff. Can I share a URL yeah. or two? Yeah. So the first one is there's a there's a blog I wrote probably a couple years ago now called How to Explain Anything Better. And that's at clarityquestions.com. Clarityquestions.com. So that's really where to start, but it goes through these three questions. What is it? What does it do? Why does it matter? Explains exactly how to do this. And then at the end of that, there's a link to a download which is also available at clarityrules.com. So this is a mini workbook, which if you fill it out, there's some, some tips in there on how to just approach these questions. And if you fill it out, you will end up with a far clearer message than you have today. I love it, Zach. Zach, it's been so fun. Thanks for joining me again today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Blake. This is so fun. Love being on your show. Of course. Well, we will definitely do round three before like, I think it's been like over a year. It's going to have to be I sooner. think you're right. I think you're right. <laughs> well, hey, for the listeners, uh, if you aren't thinking already, you need to get di- you need to deep- dig in and get deep on those three questions for your business. I guarantee you'll see a, a phenomenal result uh, for the direction of your business, especially the sales you're getting for your business. I'm also going to put Zach's links that he just mentioned down in the episode description below. So you can easily follow up and check that out for more information. You also want to check out his sounding board service. You want to get on a one-to-one call with Zach. Uh, He offers that service as well. Uh, I'll put that in the episode description below as well. Uh, Don't forget that we're on Patreon. You can check us out, patreon.com slash good advice. If you want to continue to support the podcast and promote the podcast, it's much appreciated. As always, thank you for listening. We appreciate your support and we'll catch you later. See ya.